What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, What's Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, what's the dumbest thing you did as a kid to be cool? Well, I mean, there's a long list. I don't know if I could just come up with one. Um, I, I, I will tell you this. I will say this. My wife and actually figured out that we both had done this growing up. Okay. And um, in the second grade, I'm sitting in the class and, you know, you just get bored as a kid. You're looking around. There's people with glasses on. And I'm thinking, man. I wonder what I would look like with glasses. You know, like they look pretty cool. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, there's some element of wearing glasses, it could be nerdy. But for me, I saw it as like, man, I think that would be really cool. I think I should get glasses. Only problem is, is you have to have a prescription, right? Like yeah. you, you just can't go in and say, hey, I, I just want glasses and stuff like this. So I had this great idea. I'm going to the eye doctor with my parents. I don't know if it was just like a regular checkup thing or if it was literally like, I was like, hey, I'm having a hard time seeing the, the board or made up some excuse like this. But for whatever reason, I'm taking the eye exam and I'm purposely telling the doctor the wrong letters. <laughs> like, but, but I was even in, in second grade, I was even thinking I can't be just completely off. Like I know that it's an R, but what's kind of close to an R? It can't be like a C. I'm going to say it's like an N or like a B, you know, cause then it looks like maybe that was close. Right. Anyway, I threw off the test enough to where they would write me a prescription. I got glasses, wore them for probably a week or two. We're getting sick to your stomach. It's getting sick. Yeah, it definitely wasn't good for my eyes. And and number and number two, I was like, this isn't that cool. I don't look that great. And I somehow here's the here's the funny thing. I don't remember what happened to the glasses. And now as a parent, like I think to myself, what if my kid had done this, I would have been like, where are your glasses? Right. I just paid $100 or whatever for these glasses. Where are they? I don't remember my parents ever even asking me what happened to the glasses. You, you, you didn't have like a Ralphie, you shut your eye out story <laughs> to bust those things open. I, I mean, I must have thrown them off the trail somehow. But I mean, years later, they don't even remember me talking about this. But I had glasses, short period of time. They were not as cool as I had imagined. I didn't want to miss out. You didn't want to miss out on glasses. That's really a little bit weird because I used to pick on kids like you with glasses. Well, what's changed? <laughs> Nothing. I still have glasses now and you still pick on me. But well, I, here, here's a story today that I don't think you want to miss out on. And I do think this is something that you won't pick on that person for having done, which is building a fast revenue creating business 
with very little capital, with just a little know-how and a plan to do it. Right. We're talking about the short-term rental space. You've heard us talk about this on our passive income report every single month. We have our operator, Clint Lovett, in studio with us today to share with you the kind of the pros, the cons, the bumps, the bruises along the way, but how you can actually get this started for yourself. And he's going to give you the roadmap, the actual training to do it. If this is your course to get to passive income, we want to equip you to do that. Yeah. Going from zero to seven figures in 12 months is the story that we're talking about. If you've ever wanted to know, how do I get that first $500 a month of passive income? How can I do it with fifteen dollars or $20,000 or less and no experience? This podcast should fire you up. Let's jump in right now with our operator, Clint Lovett. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now, here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. How does it feel, Joey, to know that Clint, in less than nine months, has done more with your rental unit than you did in 10 years? Well, he did more in one month than he did, than I did in 10 years. I'm talking about like cumulatively. (laughs) I mean, it's a good feeling. I mean, literally, cumulatively, in nine months, I thought he, I think he's brought in as much money as you did with your condo in almost 10 years. Yeah, I feel like a failure, be honest. Um, but I'm grateful to to know that Clint is pulling me out of it. Yeah, well, welcome, Clint, for to the show. First time on the air with us, right? Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. It's it's fun to have you here. We, we're, you know, a lot of times um, the listener has been listening to us talk about our short-term rental units, but at the same time, to kind of get your experience and your firsthand knowledge on this, I think it's going to be fun today. So talk a little bit about like what your experience has been seeing the STR business up and close. Well, the key, the first key to it was getting Joey out of the way. Um, <laughs> um, no, but seriously, it's, it's been uh, an amazing almost a year now. A um, lot of drinking from the fire hose, uh, so to speak. I've been, involved in businesses, started up businesses, run businesses uh, for the last 20 years. And I can honestly say that I am still shocked on a daily basis, like how easy this business was to get into, how, how easy it was to learn. Um, obviously had some coaching and some, some roadmap along the way, but um, the barriers to entry to this industry continue to shock me. Well, and for those of you who are listening, this is going to fit into that section of our journey that is picking your course, right? You, you've got to have clarity. You got to have control. But once you've done those things, now you have to figure out where you're headed. What's going to be your passive income means to your end of freedom. And for us, you know, the short-term rental business was one of those things that caught our eye. And we we're like, this is exciting. This is going to be the wave of the future. But Little do we know in the middle of COVID of all things that this was like the best thing that ever happened to us. So 
for for those who are listening and have never really experienced short-term rental from the investor side or from the person actively do it talk just give the the two or three minute version here what are we talking about how does how does this process work from a you know 30,000 uh, foot view so yeah so in its, its most basic form you're taking a property whether that's through pure ownership or arbitrage like we're doing um, and, and literally taking it and allowing guests to stay with you for one night, for seven nights, for 14 nights, whatever it is, um, and basically taking that property and turning it into uh, the hospitality industry is, is essentially what it is. You're turning it into a, a glorified hotel room, so to speak. Which I love. I mean, we've all played the game Monopoly, and the goal of Monopoly is to crush your competition. <laughs> Oh, it's your children. What? <laughs> that's that's just my viewpoint on that. <laughs> One of the ways, on the way to crushing people in world domination and monopoly, is to get greenhouses and then turn them into red hotels. And ultimately, in the hotel industry, is hospitality. Right? You have people staying with you for nights instead of for years. The green houses typically we think of it for long term. How have you seen this? industry play out like did you expect the instant success um through what we're doing in this just be honest i mean obviously you you got into this looking into it but like did you expect to see the the mediocre the mediocre not mediocre what am i saying meteoric meteoric <laughs> yeah Man. i mean meteoric the stratospheric growth that that is as way beyond your vocabulary making, making up words as it goes <laughs> Very nice. Um, no, I didn't. Uh, and, and literally, I mean, you, you know, you guys, we started talking. Um, it was probably end of March, early April of 2020. And, you know, I mean, right when the pandemic hit and we're sitting there strategizing on starting a business from scratch <laughs> and, and not only starting a business from scratch, but starting with an, an operator that had never run a single STR. And literally from that point in time, from those first conversations to the end of July, we had a profitable business. Now, guarantee, I mean, it was one unit right. at that point, but I mean, we literally took a property in late June and by the end of July, we were showing a thousand dollar plus profit on that one property. So if you can show me where not only the inexperience of not being in that business, but but getting a business up and running off the ground and literally in six weeks is profitable. I've never done that. Well, right, I think hold on one second. I, I want us to break down even further. Somebody just heard you say um, before you were talking about somebody could either own the unit or arbitrage. So break that piece down because I feel like some people think, oh, well, you're talking about I got to own this property. I got to go have this huge down payment, all this sort of things. That's not necessarily the case. Right. So, so arbitrage in its, its most basic form is taking something, repackaging it, and then selling it again to a consumer, right? So that's basically what we're doing is all of our properties, which we have 21 now. So all of our properties, we don't own any of them. Uh, we literally are, we have a master lease with property owners and we're taking their long-term rental units. So for example, we started with Joey's condo. Uh, so Joey is our landlord. I am the tenant 
for Joey. And I basically have taken his property that I pay him a monthly rent for. So he's getting his long-term monthly rental income. And I'm taking that, turning that into a short-term rental. And I don't have to put down $30,000, $40,000, $50,000 for this property. I literally put down $950 in rent to get this business up and running. That is, a, that's really cool because that's the barrier entry we always kind of get stuck with. Well, man, I just don't have enough money saved. I've got, I've got to get more money before I can jump off into this. And I love how easy it is to get into that. And what you said a second ago is that we have taken a business that by the end of this summer will do seven figures annually. Have you considered that, Joey? I'm, I'm hoping on it. Hoping? Hoping is a strategy. It's not a great one. <laughs> Come on, bro. What are you talking about hoping? I'm excited for it. How about that? I'm excited for it. Ready for it. Yes, ready. All right, cool. Well, all right. So I, I want to walk the person through listening of how they do this. So I think there's some like basic questions, maybe internal questions that I have, like, is this something that my skill set could do? So talk a little bit. You've been training people for, for the last, I don't know, five months on how to actually do this, right? So not only have you been doing it, then you've started teaching our community members how they can do step it. Step by step. Yes. So how, like from a, a personality standpoint, like help someone understand who's the right fit to take on this sort of side hustle, moving it toward a passive income business. Yeah. So, so we've been teaching classes. I've been teaching students. I've seen every type of personality out there, uh, sign up for these classes. And, and to be honest with you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a human. So I, I look at people and I'm like, you signed up for this class, did you? Okay. Well, <laughs> let's see how this goes. But literally, uh, this business is so multifaceted as far as the talents that you can use. Um, in previous businesses that I've always been involved in and, and other corporations that I've worked for, one thing that I've always learned and still really believe in is people will use technology to try and mask their weaknesses. And, and what I have found in my businesses as well as others is that technology typically doesn't do that. So if you, if you have a business and you're like, oh, I'm a, we're really bad at communication. So we're going to go out, we're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on the CRM tool. So we become excellent communicators and it fails miserably. And so typically what you see is technology actually enhances what you do well. And so that's, that's the approach I've always taken my business. And what I've seen in this is almost the total opposite of that. It's, I've seen people that are poor communicators and because of the AI and the software that we use and the messaging and all that, they don't have to be good communicators. You can teach them a template and a roadmap and say, Hey, here's how you set up your short-term rental business to where you literally are answering maybe one or two messages a day or every two days. So even the person that you look at and they're like, gosh, this is a really customer facing like, guest experience driven, again, hospitality world business, even people that don't have the personality of a great communicator can succeed in this. And that's, that's what's been really, really interesting to see with my classes is people have success that you would never look at and say, that's a business owner, or that's an entrepreneur. Well, what are some of those successes? I, I, I want to talk about the challenges, but I like to start with the successes. Talk about some of the successes that you've seen people have. So we literally at the beginning of this year, uh, we had our first class and I've got um, a couple of students. It's a couple. 
Um, they had never run a business before. They've got four children that I believe are under 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're not busy. <laughs> right. they, they don't have a lot going on. Sure. Um, you know, there would be like, classes where you know you see these people on our, on our zoom calls and there's like little hands you know all over the screen and she's doing 15 things at one time they literally from day one of that class in january to the end of that 90-day course had four units up and running and by the time we were done with the class they were seeing profit um, cool. and to me that's just like that's game changer cow, that's right awesome well, and that's that's motivating to see how quickly we can create cash flow because when you're when you're analyzing this, right, you've seen lots of numbers for us personally, but also I know you spend a lot of time in other masterminds with other operators. For the person listening, what should someone anticipate as a expected return? I, I put money up, right? And I and I I rent a unit typically this is the model that we operate under. We, 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 uh, furnish it, uh, does, you know, do all the design work after all monthly expenses, what typically would someone put in their pocket? What's an expected uh, number? So we, we run our numbers and this is, um, it's kind of hard to say this is industry standard because this industry is still so, so <laughs> new. Um, but kind of industry standard is looking for about $800 in profit per bedroom. $800 per bedroom and profit. Yeah. If I analyze a deal, if I'm looking at a property um, and I'm running numbers and, and it's coming in at four or $500 a month, cause maybe the rent was higher or whatever, where I can't get that with my competition on a, on a nightly rate, then, then I don't look at it. Well, and if we put this in context, Joey, right, the whole objective here is to create passive income that's greater than our monthly expenses. hundred percent. And Initially, this is not a passive income business. This is a side hustle. But I, what I love about this is that no matter where you're at, you can do the math. I remember the conversation, Clint. I don't know if I told you about this. I think I did. But I remember when we first started, if you remember, you had walked into one of the local paint companies to buy some paint to, I think, paint an accent wall. And you were having a conversation with a guy who owned the business. And he goes, what are you, what are you doing? You're telling him, Hey, we're about to, you know, uh, you know, outfit this new short-term rental that we have. And he goes, Oh yeah, I got another customer that does that. Do you remember how many units he said that guy had? Uh, I remember two things that, that kind of shocked me is one, he said that this, this lady had just walked in and bought 50 gallons worth of paint. <laughs> um, the other thing was that she had, I believe 29 units that she operated uh, in the Birmingham area. Yeah, and I just remember having that conversations with my daughter, actually both daughters, the ones who've been on the show, Alexander and Kate, and we were going down the road and I said, well, just imagine, I don't know how many bedrooms they have, right? But let's just say so many are one bedroom, so many are two bedrooms, so many are three bedrooms. I want you girls really quickly, get out your phone and do the math for me. And, and we, we, we created a little formula and said, okay, now take that number of bedrooms and multiply it times 800. And the number was somewhere around 70,000 is what we came up with off these units. Um, and I said, okay, um, do you think that would be a good monthly income? <laughs> now, Clint, my, my daughters were like unimpressed, <laughs> unimpressed by $70,000 a month. Now, because they really don't have context yeah. what that even without means. context. Come on. And so I said, all right, well, um, Alexander, you said that you would like to be a nurse when you grow up. How much just ballpark do you think nurses make a year, not a month, a year? And she was like, 
I guess they make about $70,000 a month. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, Kate, you said you'd like to be an architect as you grow up. How much do you think architects make? 70000 a month, right? I mean, like, I don't know. That's probably, same. It's sort of about the same. And so we had a conversation about how far off those numbers were, you know, for the average nurse, for the average architect. And I said, do you think if we could find a way to get you guys two or three of these units before you guys graduate high school? So while you're in college, if that's what you want to do, you go into nursing school, you're going uh, to get your degree in architecture. You could actually be making the income of what one of those who are out in the workplace making on their own. How cool would that be? And they're like, oh, wow. That's really interesting, right? <laughs> and, and and how many hours would it take you to run those? And we started having those conversations compared. So I love this conversation because it it really starts to drive that interest level in me of if we want to take control over our finances, we have an opportunity here. So giving context to the listener, where do you feel like, Clint, we are in this short-term rental space, right? Like if, if we were doing this in baseball, right? And what, what inning would you feel like we're in in relationship to the adoption rate of the American public, the opportunity that exists? What inning would you think we're in um, one to nine? I think we are coming out of spring training. Oh, wow. Um, wow. And the reason I say that is because let's, let's go back and use the pandemic as an example, right? So if you follow baseball, I'm a huge Braves fan. Love the Braves. So last year, right? <laughs> so last year we had a, a shortened major league baseball season. Uh, we had all these new rules implemented, right? And so coming into this year, the question was, hey, are we going to keep these rules that we implemented like the DH for the National League and like putting the runner on second? when it goes into overtime or extra innings so that it speeds the game up and, and things like that. Right. And they adopted some of those. Right. Right. So to me, the short-term rental industry has gone through the same thing. So 2020 and the pandemic, there was a paradigm shift in not only how the short-term rental business was operated as an industry, but how people view the industry. So for, for example, Prior to 2020, you know, one of the things that you would do as a short-term rental operator is you obviously vet your guests. And so somebody that has newly signed up for an online channel like Airbnb or Verbo sends up somewhat of a red flag. So you want to ask some questions there. I don't do that anymore because there are so many new people staying with us now that are new to Airbnb and new to Verbo and all those because last year in the pandemic, has shifted the focus away from hotels, away from people, how they travel. And it has shoved an entire segment of people into this industry. So the reason I say we're in spring training is because this the game has been redefined. All right. So I want to add a little bit more to that or ask you a little bit further. How many ballpark, how many people percentage-wise are telling you the reason that they're staying in this short-term rental um, that we have over like a hotel, like because of the issues of COVID and all this other stuff. Oh yeah. I, I would say probably two to three out of five, um, guests wow. will make some sort of comment about, Hey, is this apartment? It looks like this apartment has its own private entrance. I don't want to walk through hotel, you know, hallways. 
um, with other people around. Mm. You know, how do you clean and sanitize your unit? Um, you know, we've, we've never stayed in an Airbnb before, but we don't want to stay in hotels. Tell us about this process. So those kinds of comments, like I said, there it's, it's 60, 70% of the people that are staying with us now are saying those well, things. I mean, my wife who is, you know, a dentist, she's kind of talked about that. I mean, she says in her opinion that people, the, the germaphobe within people, right now have been exposed into this whole COVID virus, everybody being cautious as to what's going on. And there's a certain population group that will never go back to the traditional model. Like they do not, and be honest. I mean, I, I know the first time we stayed in a, an apartment or a house as compared to a 600 square foot, um, you know, two bed hotel room, you don't want to go back, especially if you have a family like that 600 is a 600 square foot hotel room. You're paying twice as much as you would for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, well, I, I know I stayed in one that was in uh, Boston. It was like a 67 foot. Uh, square, <laughs> you know. But, you know, I, some of the larger ones that may have a suite attached to them. But I just feel like we're never going back to a hotel room. We are literally going to always be in an environment where we have the opportunity to spread out, have multiple bathrooms have the ability to wash clothes because inevitably something's going to have happened and somebody didn't bring the, you know, any extra pair of underpants. Like how, how many times do we have to go through this pack underpants? So we're washing underpants every night just so they have a clean pair for the next day. Don't ask me what they're doing at night. Russ, I remember my dad specifically say to me, Joey, you gotta go to college. I don't want you to end up like me. And you know what my dad was saying is, in order for things to change, things have to change. You can't end up just like me. Well, I think, I mean, we, we, as parents, sometimes we take on the burden thinking about our kids and, and how we want something better for them. And we want to know what will their future look like if I don't take action, if I don't do something different. See, in my house, I'm the role model. You're your kid's role model. And the buck stops with you. It's time to take action. If you're ready to take action, join us at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash passport and get started on your own journey to financial freedom. All right, let's jump back into this episode. Uh, so Clint, in addition to what we've already said, you brought up in the community recently that somebody was talking about the opportunity within the number of units that are needed to meet the demand um, in the, in the short-term rental space. I don't recall the details. Could you share a little bit about that? Yeah, it was uh, an interview on CNBC and he's been on multiple channels now and he's, I mean, I guess he's a subject matter expert. I mean, he's the CEO of Airbnb. So I'm assuming <laughs> that he, he probably knows what he's talking about. maybe crunches some numbers and has a bunch of like nerds in a room that, that <laughs> give him information. Right. Um, so yeah, he basically said over the next couple of years, they need at least a million more hosts in order to meet the demand that they're seeing now um, from the marketplace. And so that's why I said earlier, you know, this it's it's a whole different game. Well, I, I was getting an, um, I was in a, a text group the other day and one of the guys was sharing, there's a new platform that's being launched out there from an investor to connect a short-term rental operators host with investors. So someone who could actually invest in into a existing short-term rental business and earn a profit off that off that business. Like there's technology now trying to connect those dots. 
and it's going to do nothing but grow. I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that we don't own a hotel. I'm grateful that we have the maneuverability with these, right? So, I mean, one of the things I think is really interesting is the conversations that happen with these, op- these owners of the apartment complexes and the managers. I, I think that's a question somebody might have is like, well, is this sketchy? Like how, if I go and I were to talk to somebody about renting their place, do I need to do it kind of behind the, behind the scenes, not really tell them I'm going to put this on Airbnb and put it on Verbo and booking.com. How do those conversations go? Like obviously you're teaching our, our students how to do that, but you've been in those conversations. How do those normal conversations go? Yeah, especially, you know, when you're talking about arbitrage. So you're approaching a property owner um, that may or may not have even heard of what you're trying to do. Um, So from from a barrier entry standpoint, those are one of the conversations that can go really, really well or can go, you know, downhill quickly. And so what I try to teach our students is, look, it's it's a numbers game. It's no different than any other business. It's no different than sales calls or leads coming in or whatever. It's a numbers game. If you go talk to two properties, you may have two failures. If you go talk to 12 properties, you're going to have two or three wins, um, which is basically the numbers that, that happened with us. I talked to probably 15 properties. Um, we've got three properties now under our, our management. Um, so those, those conversations, I would tell you, even from a year ago when we first started, are getting easier. Mm. because of that shift in the marketplace and because you're seeing people like the CEO of Airbnb on CNBC um, versus just this, oh, I've kind of heard of Airbnb or like we stayed in one and like I stuck to the mattress and I'll never go back again. You know, those, (laughs) those conversations are less and less versus now it's at the forefront of everybody's mind. You're seeing Verbo com- you know, commercials and Airbnb commercials competing with each other now on TV, which is, is great for our industry. So, okay, we're kind of switching now into the challenge side because I, I don't want to paint a picture that it's all just roses, like there's no challenges. The industry's like, you know, wide open for everybody, which all those things are true. But let's talk about the inner critic, the things that people are thinking right now, like, yeah, but... What are those main objections that you went into this business with and then maybe that you hear from, from students? Yeah, I think the, the conversation with property owners is probably a good one. Yeah. Um, that's probably where that first number one like leap of faith occurs with a student um, and, and really kind of putting yourself out there, especially if you've never run a business before. You know, you're out there representing yourself to this property owner of here's my business plan. It's like going and talking to an investor, right? Yeah. You're, you're wanting that property owner to invest in you for you to run your business at their place. Um, so those are, those are, again, they can be challenging conversations, um, but they're conversations that we walk people through on how to have um, in those courses. Mm-hmm. Um, the types of things to say, again, the industry is kind of shifting with these conversations. So when you bring up an Airbnb or a short-term rental business, it's not as uh, negative as even 24 months ago could have been um, because of the success stories. And then more importantly, what we teach our students is here's the roadmap to success And here's how you're going to not only have those conversations, but here's how you're going to set your business up for success. And when you're out there having a conversation with a property owner or an investor, 
and they're seeing here's the the 15 steps that we go through in order to run a successful, not only successful from a profitable standpoint, but successful from safety and management and, and operating it right and having the right type of guests on the property. And here's how you manage all that. Um, those are the things that, that are critical. I mean, you can go out and start your own SDR and you can make it fail really quickly. So, so this is in light of those challenges and that's great. You brought up, um, in fact, I'll, I'll share this. We've actually talked about this on one of our episodes before, but when we first started in that condo complex where my long-term rental had been forever, they had no problem with it being a long-term rental. But as soon as they found, oh, well, this guy's putting it on, on Airbnb, he's running a business out of his unit and that can't be. And I had to have a conversation with the association president and I started telling him what all we do with, with this unit to make sure it's like 10 times better and more secure than if it was a long-term rental. He immediately was like, um, wait a minute, we need to rethink our, our stance on this. This is actually really good for our association. And it's like totally changed the way that they think about it. Well, go through, what are those things? What are the safety measures that we have available to us that are actually making the complexes actually safer because we're operating our business the way that we do as a true business. Right. So, you know, one of the conversations that, that I'll have with a property owner is just kind of putting yourself in their shoes, which you should always do when you're having a, a sales type conversation. Right. So think about the objections they're going to have, you know, they're okay. Well, there's people coming and going. I don't know who they are. Like, do I get to know these people? Like, what do we, what's your checks like? So basically I explain it to it this way is look, Russ, you're a property owner. You've got these 12 units. I get it. Like this is your asset. This is valuable to you. Let me ask you a question. If you were to evaluate a couple of different property managers and one came to you and said, Hey, I'm going to install a doorbell camera on every single unit that you've got just from a security measure. I'm also going to be in this unit twice a week, cleaning it, doing any minor maintenance that needs to be, you know, so that if there's a doorknob sticking, I'm going to fix that. I'm not going to call you about that. I'm going to touch up paint probably three to four times a year, make it look brand new. And by the way, when I hand this back to you in five or seven years, cause that's how long I want to operate out of it at least. Uh, it's probably going to be in better shape than when you gave it to me. And that property manager also said, Hey, and, and this other guy wants to charge you 15%, by the way, I'm going to pay you rent. I'm going to pay it on the first of the month, every, every time like clockwork. And I'm not going to charge you a dime to manage this property at all. Hmm. Would that interest you? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's what I do, by the way, <laughs> that's what we do. Well, that's super interesting. Cause we, we all know we've, we've been that person maybe, or we went to that person's house. I mean, in college, my roommates and I would, would play darts in the living room, throwing darts toward that little small uh, beam that goes between the room and the kitchen to, to this like center part of a dartboard from the seat of our couch, sometimes with a little liquid encouragement and not necessarily <laughs> always the greatest aim. So the ones that didn't hit the dartboard or hit the wall, they flew through the kitchen to the kitchen cabinets, right? So you start thinking about the damage that people can do. Give them a year in a place you might not want to see it. But in your example, you're in that place a couple times a week. 
clearly people can do damage, but someone could do a lot more damage in a year than they can in a couple of days. Sure. So same conversation that I have with property owners. Look, have you ever had to evict somebody, Russ? Yeah. Yeah. How long did that take? Uh, like 90 days. 90 days. Yeah. So I had to evict a guest um, last week and it took me 15 minutes. Tell me more about that. How, so, how so, did I go? so we message them. So, so our guests are simply that they're guests. They have a license to occupy. They don't have a tenant. They don't have tenant rights. They're literally my guest. I'm the tenant that you have to deal with. You're the only one that I'll, that you'll be dealing with. So when I have a guest that may be breaking our house rules, maybe they brought a pet, maybe they're smoking in my apartment. They get a message. They get a second message. And after that, we change the door code. Uh, and they're gone. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> so it's kind of like uh, uh, that movie, uh, Office Space, yeah. where they fix the problem. They just stop pay paying the guy. <laughs> so, we so, the so we fix the glitch. <laughs> so, so literally, I can get rid of somebody that's a bad actor in my business in the course of literally 90 minutes, whereas it's going to take you 90 days. So what's going to happen in that 90 days when you tell that tenant that they're getting evicted? You think they're going to treat your place really well? Yeah. Yeah. So if I have a bad actor in my business, they're gone. We clean it. Next guest comes in. Well, and I like the conversation you're having there. It's business owner to business owner. It's no longer a tenant to landlord kind of conversation that they're used to. And they, they probably respect that so much more. Oh, I can't tell you how many property um, managers or like leasing agents you'll walk a property with. And you're explaining your process. You're, you're explaining, hey, this is how we check to make sure that the person that booked the reservation is actually the one that checked in. You know, we get a photo ID from them and then we check the camera. You know, if they have two people on the reservation and seven show up, <laughs> they're no longer our guest. <laughs> um, and then we have noise monitors, you know, inside the apartment to measure decibel levels to see if people are throwing parties. And when you walk somebody through all that, I mean, I've literally had leasing agents be like, can you take all of ours? Because <laughs> we got some tenants that like, y'all just take all of them. Like, we'll just deal with y'all. Well, and I think that's a. So you were talking about challenges, questions I think people yeah. would have. I, I think one of the questions that comes up is my city's just not a very travel destination. So what it's would not, you not as travelable as like Birmingham? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so talk a little bit about that when you know, someone's like, well, I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, of all places. Clearly, this is not the go-to place on uh, Travelocity, <laughs> you know, top 10 places to see this year, Birmingham, right? <laughs> Who typically is staying in, in, our, in our units? And how do you help someone determine that for themselves? So one of the first things we do in our course is define, you know, who our guests, who we're going to serve, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, Hilton, Marriott, all Renaissance, all those companies spend billions of dollars a year in research, figuring out who their customer is. And really any company does that. Sure. So it's the same concept. So when we sat down as a group, we decided, hey, we've got a, a strong you know, business community here, we've got a strong medical community here. So let's serve business travelers, which in 2020 was not as strong as, as maybe other years. Right. Um, and medical professionals that are traveling into the area because we've got four or five really top-notch hospitals. So that's, we defined, these are why people are coming to Birmingham or these are why people would come to Birmingham. So let's serve that market and let's set up our units 
to serve those people, which is a very specific thing that you have to do. And, and we teach that in the course. Um, so just because you're not a destination city, which I would not consider Birmingham a destination city, by the way, you don't have to be like the vacation place, like the New York City or the Denver, Colorado. I've got a student that literally is operating. If I look at the map, there are no short-term rental operators within miles of her. And she's looking for more. She's got one up and running. It's a house. She's looking for more in that area. And she's getting a lot of local traffic. So people that maybe have a flood or fire or tornado came through the area and destroyed their house and they need to relocate for three or four or six months. You know, she's getting a lot of local people. Those are still short-term rental guests. They just happen to be five miles down the road versus 500 miles away. Let's talk about one other challenge. Somebody's thinking, man, this sounds really good, but I don't know that I could do it from a time standpoint because it sounds like, okay, I've got to identify my, my guest. I got to identify um, different uh, property owners that I can go and talk to and then they could shut me down. And how much time does it take to get one up and running? And then secondly, to maintain that once it is kind of stabilized and, and up and running. Yeah, I would tell you that one of the things that I benefited from um, was other people's failures um, and learning from other operators and learning, hey, here's the things that we tried and don't work. You can go down that road and you can try that yourself and you can fail, come back to us when, when you failed and we'll tell you, hey, we told you so. <laughs> um, so taking the things that work in the industry and the things that have worked for us um, and applying those will eliminate a lot of those things because a lot of my students have never uh, even run a business mm. and that's probably the most time consuming part to be honest with you like the the short-term rental side of it there's a roadmap we've built there's there's you know courses there's software that we use that we've tested out other other things and theories and so that's that part is pretty easy to teach somebody it's kind of getting the the business set up and getting running and, and understanding how to operate a business that's probably really the most challenging. Um, the short-term rental side of it is really not that much. You know, if you're if you're operating like we mentioned, those students that have four, you know, they've got four kids under ten. They both have full-time jobs and they're operating four successfully. Um, there's a lot more upfront work to get a unit up and running, and you know, you got to do the design work and stage it and all that stuff. But once that, once that thing's up and running, you should really be able to spend a few hours a week based on what the systems we put in place and the processes we teach you um, to, to run that. Well, I, I know there's so much we could cover. We could spend 10 hours doing this, but thankfully you've gone through the, the labor of love to build out a process and a plan for someone that who would like to discern whether or not this is something they want to do. If you want to get your first five to $800 a month of passive income, and you want to be able to get this up and running within six weeks, 90 days, Clint has taken the time to build out a course. And we want to send you to that course, because I believe you going through this, you can, you can get through this process very simply and get yourself up and running and then have access. There's some other things that we can talk about that you've set up and ways for people to get access to you. So if you go to wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash STR, STR stands for short-term rental, short-term rental. So wealthwildwallstreet.com forward slash STR, you can sign up for the course that Clint has created 
and get that first unit up and running. Because I think, Joey, this is one of the most exciting things that we're doing in our passive income own portfolio, right? We share those numbers every single month. And by the end of the summer, by the end of 2021, we literally will have a business that will over a 12 month cycle will bring in over a million dollars total. And I just think this is something that is, as you said, Clint, which really excites me is that the first batter has not even came to the plate. That's how early in the game we are with this opportunity. And there are so many different creative ways to do it. And you've so eloquently laid out that process in this course. My daughter and I have gone through your live course and I'm super excited about what she's doing. She's got a first rental. It's making money. I think last month she brought in net a little over $500 and, and that's uh, good because now she can start paying back that policy loan that she took out to buy that car. <laughs> uh, and I can teach her the value and responsibility of making money and how hard it is to make it but also to get her going over and, and participating in that process. Because I do think like um, we're in that phase, Joey, where we have nephews that are graduating high school, some that are graduating college. And I, man, I would love, I would love my girls to, to, to see this entrepreneurial opportunity in the SDR space and be able to go through this course, take this content to heart. And if they want to pursue something that they need to go to college for great. But at the same time, the business that they can learn by actively running one and a profitable one at that is, is worth hundreds of thousands of dollars more than they could ever get taught in some stinking classroom. 100% couldn't agree with you more. Clint, um, it's so awesome to have you as our operator, number one, and number two, for you to be able to share that expertise with our community. Um, in this course is amazing. Guys, if, uh, if this is anywhere near your investor DNA and what you feel like could be your course to passive income, want to encourage you again, I'll just bring it up wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash STR. Take the course, get started. And then Clint, how can they uh, interact with you going forward? So I'm in the community as well. So uh, you can look me up there. And then obviously our students have access to me um, as well. So I'm, I'm constantly answering questions or, hey, this came up or whatever. And, and I'm actively on that community. So well, and I know that you're also running kind of an accelerator class for those who Correct. go through the course, they have the ability at a discount to get into that accelerator, which meets weekly, right? It and, does. And talk, talk a little bit about what that class what what are the students asking you and learning in that kind of follow-up? Yeah, so that's kind of the sort of the next steps, right? So in order to be in that class, you've got to have a unit that's up and running um, and you're operating it. And so to me, that's that's our peer group. Um, that's our, our time to spend an hour, hour and a half a week to say, hey, Russ, you know, this happened to me over the weekend. I had a guest do this. What, what would you do in this situation? Or, you know, I've got somebody asking for, you know, a six month stay that I'm really excited about, but they want a 20% discount. Like, would you do this? All right. right, let's, let's look at the numbers. Does this make sense? So just a, a peer group that that's in it, that's in it daily um, and sharing ideas and we're doing research and I'm always kind of evaluating new technologies that we share in that group. So uh, just kind of helping people take it to the next level. Which is really cool because as a, um, a person who goes through this course, they get a 50% discount off of that, which is over $200 a month discount 
that they get access to just a handful of months. They've paid for the actual course itself. So even if you have already know, you already know how uh, and already own a short-term rental business and you may not need all the steps that plant would teach in the course, just by buying the course, you get access to that group, which gives you access to Clint and the peer group. And we've seen such success of people that are rising because they're challenging each other. Clint, thank you for coming on. Uh, now go back and start crushing it, man. <laughs> Let's get you out of get, the podcast room. Get more units. <laughs> go back and get us some more units. Thank you for being here. And as always, thank you for listening to this episode. Please take time to share this with somebody you know. Also take time to rate and review the podcast. That's how other people that you don't even know gets to learn about how this is helping you become financially free. Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.